Thanks to Quip for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and check everyone off your gift list right now with Quip. Just go to getquip.com/fool to save on gift sets and to get your first refill free with a refill plan. It's Wednesday, December 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio for the last time in 2019. It's Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Be people happy to hear that. I <laughs> No question. No question. There are absolutely a few of the dozens who are like, oh. Thanks. It was a long year of him. All right. We, we, all At right. least we can cross something off the list. Let's just get through this one and then we're safe for the rest of this year. Go back to adults and decent, decent guests. Yes, exactly. go ahead. Um, we've got to look back on 2019. We've got another strong quarter from General Mills. And yes, I am surprised to be saying that out loud, but we're going to start with FedEx because shares of FedEx are down 9% after a second quarter that did not live up to expectations. And I I got a couple questions for you about FedEx, but let's just start with the quarter itself. What did you think of the quarter and what stood out to you? Uh, well, I'm going to quote some uh, somebody uh, from Wall Street, a Deutsche Bank uh, analyst. Uh, the write-up there uh, starts with uh, FedEx reported results that we can only characterize as breathtakingly bad. That's that's a little uh, that's a little mean. That's that's, that's, a, that's little, a headline. That's a that's, that's a little a, hurtful. That's a headline. Yeah, they were. Uh, Do you think they were breathtakingly bad? Yes, I mean, I, I well, I'm just following on somebody else's uh, verbiage now, but uh, I, I have nothing to counteract that with, and I think FedEx uh, itself, the the CFO, uh, okay, not to be outdone, the CFO on the conference call described uh, their uh, quarter as horrific. So, I mean, they're just trying to top each other, really. This is what he what he said technically is quote our adjusted operating profit year over year is horrific, comma but it's going to improve. So yes, he, he try to try to clear everything out of, out of the way. Okay, this is the bottom used uh, that term, and you know we're 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 coming back strong. You know this this is a little bit of a we're going to make it up in the second half of the year. FedEx has a different um, fiscal year, so this was the uh, second quarter, and uh, they've got uh, the second half of the year to improve things, and that's uh, always, I think, a, a difficult thing to bet on. You so, hear it a lot, like, "Ah, oh, second quarter, second half is going to be a lot better," but you know, don't don't look at the first half. So, for a good stretch of time, FedEx was one of those companies that was referred to as a bellwether stock. If you want to know. Uh, the state of the economy, you can check in to see how X company is doing. And FedEx was one of those companies. It seems, though, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is Amazon's continued investment into shipping, that FedEx is certainly, at a minimum, less of a bellwether stock, and maybe no longer a bellwether altogether. Bellwether about certain things. So, the main components of the difficulty here were global trade disputes. So, you know, less international trade, less things moving around across borders, and that's a big component of FedEx's business. 
And uh, secondly, and I'm not really ordering these, but Amazon, yes. Amazon uh, subtracting some of its business from FedEx, FedEx subtracting some of its business from Amazon, the two of them um, fighting. And I would say, uh, you know, it is a bellwether in that respect, in that its business is tied to. You know the strength and its ability to work and play nicely together with Amazon. So that is also something that you know in the retail mall world. Um, you know the degree to which Amazon is taking things over. Uh, you know is a big component of the difficulties they're facing. And when you are doing a lot of business with Amazon, as FedEx was, as XPO Logistics was this time last year, went through sort of a similar story. Saw its uh, XPO lost the Amazon business. Saw its stock cut in half, basically, because of that and a few other things. You know, it's it's a year later. It's come most of the way back. That being XPO, FedEx, they got to make this up somewhere. A uh, little bit more difficult for them um, because this, this was a, a big chunk of the business. Amazon. You look at a five-year chart of FedEx; it is down slightly. I mean, it's basically flat over a five-year period. And by the way, so is UPS. Are these just not great businesses to own if you're someone who's looking to own a business and hold it for five, ten, twenty years? Well, I don't know. It depends on your starting and stopping points. And right now, we're looking at a point which is. Um, you know, involving this slowing trade and global trade disputes. So, check back in a year, maybe it's a different story, and maybe FedEx is saying, "Hey, we told you so." You know, this this was the bottom. Um, you know, as soon as everybody started trading again, they're using us. Uh, they're they're probably not going to be. There's not going to be a better chapter to their story with Amazon. At least that's the way it looks right now. Uh, so I wouldn't uh, hold your breath for that to improve, but global trade, sure. I mean, we're we're looking at the domestic economy and saying things are good here, uh, but FedEx global business. So, you know, the the impact from slower economies is is showing up for them. So later this afternoon, uh, I'm going to be back in the studio with a, a few of our colleagues, and we're going to be recording um, the year in review episode for Motley Fool Money. Um, wanted to give you a chance to sort of weigh in on when you think about 2019 through the lens of business and investing. Is there something that leaps out at you? And it can be a business leader, it can be a business, an industry, um, an event of some sort. What do you think of when you think of the year in business and investing for 2019? Well, I think it was a better year for investing than for business. Uh, much better. Uh, the the stocks. Being up, I don't know. It's called 25 percent, 30 percent in some corners of the market right now. That is not reflective of the actual growth of earnings in businesses. It was a slowdown this year. Earnings per share up about four and a half percent in 2019 over 2018. 2018 showed a 20 some percent gain in earnings per share. In the S and P 500, but stocks were down um, over the course of the year in 2018. So, why? Why was that? Um, a lot of it had to do with uh, the direction and the expected direction of of interest rates. And so, it was a reminder, I suppose, of the power of people's expectations for interest rates. There was a lot of fear at the end of last year. You may remember. 
where the market was at the end of uh, 2018. December 2018, not a great month. Not a great month. Uh, you know, was, uh, interest rates had just been hiked again, and there was uh, an expectation that they would continue to to rise. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the case this year, and markets taking a huge. Sigh of relief, uh, but businesses themselves, as I say, uh, have not improved their earnings to anywhere near the degree that uh, the prices have gone up. So, so I would say that if you're looking for a hot take, and you told me you had a lukewarm take, <laughs> but my hot take is, most of my takes are lukewarm. <laughs> my hot take would be based on the long-term growth of uh, earnings per share and. Uh, the general um, multiple the market puts on those over the last 30 years, market's overpriced by about 15% right now. So, my lukewarm take actually ties in with yours when you say it's a better year for investing than business. I, 2019, the year that trading commissions finally went to zero. And that was, I think, one more win for uh, everyday investors like us. Yes. And I think that that points to one of the reasons why uh, multiples for stocks are as high, not at this moment in time, they could, you know, the stock market could lose 10% of its of its value, and it wouldn't really be interesting from the long-term perspective, uh, because markets do that all the time, and and then they come back. And but uh, why should people pay as they have for the last 25 years a higher multiple? For stocks than they did the 25 years preceding, and really the 125 years preceding. And about 10, 15 years ago, Jeremy Siegel, uh, who wrote Stocks for the Long Run and has uh, you know, written many other things and is a well known and respected uh, pundit, not pundit, he's, he's an academic. Uh, and you know, he, he said that a long term uh, 20 times earnings multiple. Is somewhere in that range uh, was justified by, you know, the ease with which you can get diversified through, you know, the S and P 500 fund or an ETF and lower commissions. That that you had to have a higher expectation of the return on your stocks uh, when you had to pay such high commissions and uh, frictional costs back in the old days. The old days being more than 20 years ago, and and as you point out. They've gone to zero, and um, you know maybe maybe people will be paid to trade stocks. Maybe you will make money from that in the future. It's, it's kind of like negative interest rates. Um, there there are reasons why, just as there are reasons why a credit card company or a bank will pay you to start an account with them. You know, you may find that there are financial incentives to doing something you used to have to pay for. Be interesting to see. I'm just glad we finally got to zero because I honestly thought it was going to come sooner. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In the same way that uh, 20 years ago, roughly 50% of Americans were invested in the stock market, and that number is not dramatically higher today. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised that if you had asked me 20 years ago, okay, 50% of Americans are invested in the stock market. Where do you think that percentage number is going to be in the year 2020? I would have said, gosh, it's, I mean, it'll probably be close to like 80%. So, so you think this. So shows what I know. <laughs> you think the zero commissions are going to get more people to own stocks? 
I think it is um, one more incremental move in that direction. It is it is one small barrier that has now been removed. True. Quick shout out to Quip this holiday season. Your gift can start next year's good habit with Quip. Quip is something that is sure to put a smile on everyone's mouth because it's dental care they will actually want to use every day. The Quip electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations and a timer with 30-second pulses to guide your routine. And the floss dispenser has pre-marked strings so you always use the right amount. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months. we got a bunch of people here at The Fool who use Quip. They love it. Absolutely love it. And you can try it, too. Just go to getquip.com slash fool. You can save on gift sets. And you can get your first refill free with a refill plan. That's your first refill free. Just go to getquip.com slash fool. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash fool. Getquip.com slash fool. Only got a few shopping days left, people. So, get on that. General Mills' second quarter profits came in higher than expected. And once again... The pet food division, historically, not really a big part of General Mills' business, but um, the pet food division once again carrying uh, the weight for General Mills. And um, this is a stock that has done surprisingly well over the past year. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, depends on where you're picking your starting and stopping points. Uh, I was with that statement. I was picking it a year ago. So a year ago (laughs) to today, it's up forty-four percent. Uh, yeah, and and slightly longer term, say the last five years, it's it's basically flat. So yes, it reversed uh, the decline, and the decline was a little bit interesting because really the earnings per share here have been, I don't know, about as steady as any company you can really imagine, um, and so it's a, a little bit of a. Uh, you know more of the same, I think, on on the earnings per share over the longer term. But today, it's better than expectations. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's all to the good. And uh, you know, I would expect that this company you're investing in it really for the dividend. I wouldn't be investing uh, for some really major uh, increase in the share price, although that's what happened this year. But longer term, I think it's a dividend play. Well, certainly, if you look at the five-year chart, it's it's you know, it's not inspiring. But the difference between General Mills today and General Mills five years ago is it now owns Blue Buffalo Pet Products. And as that has been a boost for the business and therefore the stock, it wouldn't surprise me if the next five years for General Mills look significantly better than the last five years. Well, it all uh, depends on DCM, doesn't it? DCM? Yeah. Dilated cardiomyopathy. Go on. <laughs> you don't need me to explain that, do you? Uh, yeah. All right, I so there was do. some fear that uh, uh, FDA warning about uh, dilated cardiomyopathy in dogs uh, might be. Be there's a trend uh, about the data and and it's showing up in greater numbers and this heart disease in dogs and whether this is or is not related to green free dog foods which are all the you know are, are are more and more pet food owners are buying more expensive dog foods like blue buffalo and specifically the green free kinds and that 
uh, was called into question over the summer by this uh, FDA. It wasn't quite a warning. It was, uh, you know, a, a, a published uh, some published data and further study being necessary and a recommendation that people talk to their vets. And blue buffalo was reasonably high up on the list of dog foods for which there had been complaints about, or if not complaints, ties of the incidences of this to in-breeds where you don't expect to see it. Uh, are you following me? You I'm don't following. care. You don't care I'm about dogs. <laughs> I'm listening. Go on. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to get to an actual point. Go on. So, I think the expectations were that this could impact sales over the quarter. It didn't. I think Blue Buffalo was still up in the teens uh, year over year, which is, as you point out, a big driver in the good numbers for this quarter and in the expectations for the future. If it turns out that these grain-free dog foods are something that the FDA warns against, uh, then I think we've got a different equation. Okay. I mean, yeah. I suppose if you're coming up with a pros and cons list for General Mills business, you can put that seriously uh, capital I, capital F, that big if next to it. It's like, well, if this happens, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it got some headlines. And as as a non-dog owner, you you have dismissed this as a you know a critical thing for their uh, Blue Buffalo brand. Um, and I think it does take a while for any of this information to seep out. And surely, if there really is any tie between the current construction of these green-free foods, Blue Buffalo has options to you know recalibrate. Uh, what it's serving. Your concerns about the FDA would mean a whole lot more to me if the stock wasn't up 44% this year, <laughs> if they hadn't just crushed another quarter, again, driven by Blue Buffalo. Well, but, and then the crushing of the quarter is, is an expectations uh, piece of things, because sales are not really, other than the Blue Buffalo acquisition, and including that, you know, sales today are still lower for General Mills than they were five years ago. And that's, you know, not great news. It's not, but I think a lot of that is being driven by the cereal haters. Well, and the cereal is is an indication. Yes, the growing appreciation that cereal is not, despite what you may have heard, a necessarily uh, critical part of your completely nutritious breakfast. So too, if the dog food that currently is being uh, effectively sold as critical to your dog's health it comes, you know, with with warnings, uh, then you know it could go the way of uh, Frosted Flakes, which is still around, still selling a lot of boxes. Obviously, right? Not for uh, General Mills because they don't own that sorry, brand. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, I get your Honey point. Honey Smacks, then exactly. <laughs> um, so, one of the things I like to do anytime we're talking about a company that is a conglomerate, a collection of brands, is I like to go to the website and just see, okay, how does a company decide to feature their business divisions, whether it's a software company or a consumer products company like General Mills, that sort of thing. And not surprisingly, they break it out you know, by the different things like baking products, cereals, uh, ice cream, um, pets, pizza, snacks, it's you know, alphabetical. But then when you go, this is this is the part I love, when you go into the cereal part of their website, they break the cereal division down by further brands, um, further categories, and one of the categories is monsters. <laughs> Which I just think, 
good for them for just saying, okay, what do we do with Count Chocula? It's like, well, I mean, we also have Booberry. We're not moving a lot of product on Booberry or Frankenberry, but you know, they still matter. All right, let's we'll group it under monsters. Let's just put it under monsters. Let's move on. Yeah, and and I, you know, the leprechauns not a monster, not a monster, not they're, a monster. They're delightful. Their their Lucky Charms is not part of uh, the monsters. Was it Lucky Charms or or tricks that uh, General Mills experimented with the natural coloring? And the natural, I think it was, I think it was tricks. They experimented with natural coloring and tried to use that as a selling point. Like, hey, no more red dye number five in our cereal, and the colors ended up just being. It looked like cereal that had been left out in the sun for a week. It was all faded, and people were like, "This is terrible! It's tricks for crying out loud! Just put the regular colors back." It was their version of New Coke. Uh, yeah, they've 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 got we, some of the classics. By the Cocoa way, Puffs and by tricks. the way, for anyone wondering, we've moved on to the tangent section of this episode, so we're we're, we're probably done with the investment. Yes, and no, we're wandering back and forth, okay. really, uh, because this is part of the actual business case for General Mills is how do they pivot over time toward things which are less offensive to those who do care about nutrition and uh, and it, it's a delicate balance uh, you know as with the tricks trying to make a, a step in that direction and then being told by the market no don't do that with tricks nobody nobody who's buying tricks cares about the nutrition okay nobody is buying it for the 18% of niacin that it <laughs> that it provides to your daily schedule <laughs> It's a fair point. That's and, and I'm sure that's part of why they expanded into things like okay, Fiber One. We've got that brand. You we've want, got that brand. You want healthy cereal? Go check out our offerings uh, from the Fiber One division. And we've got monsters. And we have monsters. <laughs> and we have tricks. Um, and something called Cascadian Farm, which is I, okay. There's another healthy cereal because it's got farm in the word. Yeah, in, yeah. In the, in one, the one suspects that that is is meant to be uh, nutritious. Truly nutritious in some way. Uh, Anything else before we wrap up? I don't know. You were starting to tell me about the burdens that you were going through of uh, <laughs> editing the apropos of nothing episode. So we've gotten. You were going to give me a little theory on on how on what makes a good edit. <laughs> um, so yes, for those who have been asking, uh, and a few people have actually been asking, hey, when do you? You recorded that. You keep talking. You keep talking about it, but I don't see the episode. Um, Started the editing process today, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's some work because there there are some things that you and I and and the how do you keep all the good stuff in? Is that why it's a lot of work? No, it's wait. What did we talk about? How long did we talk about this topic? Ah, this this whole thing has to come out because this didn't really work. But you know, that's why it's apropos of nothing. There are tangents. What is the theory? You were you were going to tell me a Kevin Smith story? Oh, so the yeah, Kevin Smith, the writer, film director. Um, uh, years ago, he would go around and speak at colleges and and talk about making films and and that sort of thing, and and turn some of those into. Um, and there are YouTube clips where you can just you know type in Kevin Smith speaking, and so there was. There's one of my favorites is he tells the story about um, 25 years ago when he gets involved in possibly a, a, a potential reboot of Superman, and so he goes through the process of getting a script this is between and, the Christopher Reeves and the like Brandon Routh. Brandon Routh, yeah, yeah. and um, and so one of the 
um, one of the notes he gets when he turns in his first crack at a script is, um, you don't have enough action beats in this. This is an action movie. It's a superhero movie. There needs to be an action beat every eight to ten minutes, or you know, an action scene every eight to ten minutes, and it sort of goes on from there. And so, in in listening to the nearly two hours worth of apropos of nothing uh, that we recorded a few weeks ago, uh, I took sort of a, a similar approach where it's like, okay, what I'm listening to at this moment, this either needs to be interesting. Or humorous, or it needs to be driving towards something interesting or humorous. And if it's not doing any of those, it's being left on the cutting room floor. So that's that's the general approach. And having said that, now anyone who actually listens to it when it gets published, I'm sure will come back and say, "Wow, I heard how you think about this and how you think about editing, and I noticed you left in a lot of unbelievably boring stuff." But you know, that's that's why it's apropos of nothing. So and during that time when you know the Superman issue when they were considering Nicolas Cage yes as Superman do you think that could have worked No Christopher Walken as Brainiac Christopher Walken uh, as a villain of some sort that can work in almost any setting whatsoever <laughs> but I think there's a reason Nicolas Cage didn't end up as Superman if they felt like there was money to be made, it's Hollywood. If they felt like there was money to be made, they would have made that move. You know, he owned uh, at the time the most expensive comic book. Uh, he bought Superman number one at, at some what at the time seemed like absurd price of nearly a million dollars or something, or ended up selling it. He ended up selling it years later for like. Four or five times what he bought it for, but everybody thought this was one of the indications of his insanity. Was, oh, was having were... paid this much for a comic book, but it turned out to be a great investment. Well, given what I've read periodically about Nicolas Cage and his financial situation, it's probably good that he sold it as a profit. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Forward. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Y limas, limas y limones, más linda es la Virgen que todas las flores. Desde Veracruz venimos andando y el Señor Jesús venimos buscando. Carancas y limas, limas y limones, más linda es la Virgen que todas las flores.
todas las flores Ya se va la rama muy agradecida Porque en esta casa fue bien recibida Naranjas y limas, limas y limones Más linda es la virgen que todas las flores Ya nos despedimos porque ya nos vamos Yo y mis compañeros dan gracias y vamos Naranjas y limas, limas y limones Más linda es la virgen que todas las flores 